Welcome back to the Square Eight Sports Lane Frank podcast. On those this podcast, Lane Frank, we are now in episode number 33. Yes, we're 33 episodes through. The NFL draft is complete. The NBA playoff race is coming down to the wire. The MLB is in full swing and so much more. So stay tuned for Square Sports with Lane Frank, episode number 33. Let's get into it. Start with episode number 33, how you always do with their headlines in the NBA. The New York Knicks, my New York Knicks, they clinched their first winning season since like 2013. This is amazing. The Knicks clinched a winning season when people picked them to either finish last in the NBA. Some people picked them to finish last in the East. They're fourth in the East right now. My New York Knicks, I could not be happier. Knicks beat the Grizzlies on Monday night. John Morant got ejected at the end of the game. What a game that was to watch. What a game. Knicks, Julius Randle should be in the MVP conversation. In my eyes, he is in the MVP conversation. What a season Julius Randle's having. What a season Derrick Rose is having ever since joining the Knicks. I mean, there was a story came out when Derrick Rose requested a trade to the Knicks. Dwayne Casey said, you have a better chance of making the playoffs here in Detroit than you do in New York. The Pistons, everybody, they are in line for a top five pick in the New York Knicks or the fourth seed in the East right now and are in line for a home court advantage first round series. Yeah, Dwayne Casey... Derrick Rose proved you wrong. Derrick Rose having an amazing season so far in the Knicks. He is. What's going on with the Lakers, everybody? Lakers are off to a terrible start ever since LeBron came back. They lost their game against the Kings. They've been not been playing well at all ever since AD came back. They lost both those games against the Mavericks. What is going on with the Lakers, everybody? Are they still going to make the conference finals? A lot of people saying if they had to choose right now, they would not choose the Lakers to make the conference finals. I'd probably still pick them to make the finals, but to win it, if this team was fully healthy, I would pick them to make the finals. Let me rephrase that. If they weren't fully healthy, I would probably pick them maybe not even to make it out of the first round. But they do make the play-in. They do. And then they end up becoming the 8th or 7th seed. If I'm the Suns or Jazz, I am scared out of my mind to face the Lakers in the first round series. I had such a good season now to face LeBron Anthony Davis, hopefully fully healthy in a first round series. Boy, that'd be crazy. It would. And, I mean, there's a really good chance that if the Lakers... Played the Jazz in the first round, they would beat them. They played the Suns in the first round, that they would beat them. Right now, I mean, a couple episodes ago, I said the Suns were going to make the NBA Finals, but that would be absolutely insane if they faced off against the Lakers in the first round. But let's talk about something else in the NBA. Russell Westbrook should also be in the MVP conversation. What do you have? 14 points, 24 assists, and like 22 rebounds the other night, career high in assists. That is mind-boggling. That is like when you go on NBA 2K, my career, and... Max out your guys' stats, make him 99 overall, and you drop like 30 points, 20 assists, and 20 rebounds. That's what Russell Westbrook is putting up right now. That's what he is. He is absolutely going off this season. Okay, he should be in the MVP conversation. He's lifted the Wizards from where many people picked them to be one of the worst teams in the NBA, where they are now at a chance to maybe even make like the second round some people are picking. They're probably going to make the playoffs now. With Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, this team is good. They easily won that trade for John Wall. They trade John Wall for Russell Westbrook. Where's John Wall now? Out for the season with a hamstring injury on maybe the worst team in the NBA in the Houston Rockets. No, the Wizards easily won this trade. Wizards, a very fun team to watch. Knicks and Wizards proved everybody wrong this year. It's been fun to watch Wizards and the Knicks in the NBA this year. But let's move to the NFL, where the NFL draft is now officially complete. We all know Trevor Lawrence went number one. Zach Wilson went number two. Trey Lance went number three, which I all predicted, but then Kyle Pitts went number four. I'll give my grade on that pick later on in the episode, but it's a good pick. It is, but 
I felt like they needed a quarterback. They needed some other things. Pat Sertan went nine to the Broncos with a steal. That was also another crazy steal. Was the Chargers taking Sean Slater at pick 13. Davis Mills went to the Texans in the third round, which was a shocking pick because it was their first pick of the draft. I mean, and they already have a good quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Obviously, some off-the-field issues with Deshaun Watson. No one ever knows if he'll ever play quarterback for the Houston Texans ever again. No one even knows if he'll ever, ever play in the NFL again. But a lot of quarterbacks went in the NFL draft. NFL draft was very fun. I'll give a full recap of the NFL draft later on this episode. But let's move to the MLB where there is a lot of news. The Mets offense, besides Pete Alonso and Kevin Pillar, it is atrocious. It is possibly the worst offense in the MLB. They fired their hitting coaches after the loss against the Cardinals, but that wasn't even that bad of an offensive game. But, you know, it was terrible this season for the Mets. Francisco Lindor, their $330 million man, you know his batting average is like 165. Oh my goodness. Francisco Lindor, you are terrible this season. I'm going to say it again. You are terrible this season. 165 average. Oh, for your last 20. I hate to say it as a Mets fan. I can't wait for Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Carrasco to get back because I'm sick of watching David Peterson and Joey Lucheski giving up like 30 runs a game in every start. I don't want to go on a whole rant here about the Mets, but besides Pete Alonso, this offense is terrible. Edwin Diaz is terrible. If it wasn't for that home run game called back against the Phillies, he would have had a blown save when he had a three-run lead going into the ninth inning. He would have. The Mets are really, really struggling right now. They are. Dodgers, they're also struggling as of late, which, you know, it's kind of unexpected. I don't even think they're first in their division right now. I think the Giants are first. Giants have came out of nowhere this year. Mike Ostremski, Austin Slater, a bunch of guys on that team. They're playing well. Dodgers struggling a bit as of late, but that's about for the headlines this week. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. Now, the talk of the NBA is now either the playing tournament or the MVP race. So let's talk about the MVP race right now. Top five MVP candidates in the NBA right now. So number five, I'm going to say it. Russell Westbrook, everybody. Not Steph Curry. Nobody else. Russell Westbrook. This man deserves to be in the MVP conversation. I don't have Chris Paul on this list. You can debate me on that. Chris Paul does not deserve MVP this year because that team has Devin Booker. That team has Jay Crowder. That team has a bunch of other good players in Mikal Bridges. Chris Paul does not deserve to be in the MVP conversation. But you know who does? Russell Westbrook. Averaging a triple-double yet again. This man, he's playing point guard, but he's putting up small forward stats. Crazy stats. He is one of the most talented players in NBA history. One of the most talented players in NBA history, Russell Westbrook. Scott Brooks said he's the second best point guard of all time behind Magic Johnson. He might not be the second best point guard of all time, but he is having an amazing season this year. Russell Westbrook, he is fifth on my MVP race. Who's number four? Another guy I talked about in the headlines. Julius Randle of my New York Knicks. He's my favorite player in the NBA right now. He's my favorite player to watch in the NBA right now. And he's on my favorite team. Julius Randle is so amazing this season. So amazing. Made the All-Star team, averaging six assists, 24 points, and like 11 rebounds. What a season for Julius Randle. I think all of his previous years combined don't even match the math threes he's made all those seasons. Don't even add to what he's made this season. All those combined don't even come close to the math threes he's made this season. That is mind-boggling. He's made like 153s this year, Julius Randle. What a season Julius Randle is having on my New York Knicks. He deserves to be in the MVP conversation. You can make a debate, and I'm going to say this. You can make a debate for him to be the MVP this year. You want to know why? Because what's the MVP stand for? 
most valuable player. Does it say most outstanding player? No, it says most valuable. The Knicks didn't have Julius Randle. They wouldn't even be anywhere near the four seed. It's a young team. It's a good team, but they wouldn't be anywhere near the four seed, people. Okay, Julius Randle deserves some more respect. People are saying, no, he doesn't deserve to be in the MVP conversation. He deserves to be even at the top of the MVP conversation. I'm putting him at number four, but Julius Randle having an amazing season on my New York Knicks, lifting them to the four seed with Tom Thibodeau. What a season he's having. Fourth on my list in the MVP race. Number three, I've got Luka Doncic. Okay, he's averaging like 29 points a game this year. He's been clutch this year, had a crazy buzzer beer against the Grizzlies a couple weeks ago. What a season Luka Doncic is having. People are taking it for granted. Some people are thinking, oh, he's having a bad season because he was picked to win MVP before the season started. He's not going to win MVP, but he's having an amazing season. One of my favorite players to watch in the NBA right now. Third, my MVP candidates, Luka Doncic. Number two, Joel Embiid, everybody. Joel Embiid, you know, he got injured, right? He got injured, and then right when he came back, people were paying to win MVP, stuff like that. And then he kind of struggled a little bit. He's picking it up now, but he's not going to win MVP this year. Nikola Jokic will win MVP this year, but we'll get to that. Joel Embiid, second on my MVP race list. He is having a great season. Not MVP season, but the best season of his career by far. Second best player in the NBA season, Joel Embiid. Number one, I already said it. Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, everybody. What a season he's having. I looked at his stats today. 29 points a game. 11 rebounds and, like, 9 assists. You know what position he plays? He plays center, everybody. Center. The best passing big man of all time. He is breaking the laws of physics, basically, with these passes he's making, with his passing stats, assists. He's averaging as a center. With his size, he's, like, 7'1", almost 200-something pounds. Really, really good player. This season, Nikola Jokic is the best player. In the NBA season, gonna win MVP. Nikola Jokic, the best player in the NBA this year, first on my MVP race list. That's about for top five this week. Leave your top five MVP candidates in the comment section. Now, did you know this week's day you knows? Now, we all know that about a week ago, the Indiana Pacers went on the road and they won by 57 against the Oklahoma City Thunder, the largest road win in NBA history. But did you know the largest home win in NBA history is by the Cleveland Cavaliers by 68 points, 148 to 80 in 1991 against the Miami Heat. This was way before LeBron, 1991. Way before LeBron. But did you know the largest home win, the largest win, actually, in NBA history is by 68 points. Cleveland Cavaliers in 1991 beat the Miami Heat by 68 points, 148 to 80. Did you know that? Leave that in the comment section. Now, MVP LVP. When was the last time we did MVP LVP? But this week's MVP is my New York Knicks. I already went on about in the headlines, but they are having such an amazing season. They have the same exact record as the Los Angeles Lakers. They have the same exact record as a team with Andre Drummond, Dennis Schroeder, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. The Knicks, same exact record as them. The Knicks are playing outstanding this season. They are having an amazing week. They've won like 13 out of their last 14, something like that. They went on a nine-game winning streak. They got snapped by the Suns, but they haven't lost since that loss. Against that Suns, they've gone on a three-game winning streak since then. What 
season the New York Knicks are having. I love watching the Knicks play. My favorite team. They are. MVP streak. The whole entire New York Knicks organization. Leon Rose, Tom Thibodeau, Derek Rose, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Alfred Payton, Theo Pinson, Jared Harper, Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock. I could go on for days. The mad people who are MVP in the Knicks organization. MVP this week, the whole entire New York Knicks organization. LVP. LVP. It's also a New York team, not NBA, but baseball. And it's a manager. Luis Rojas, the manager for the New York Mets. Okay, I was going to make it Francisco Lindor, but I thought, no, he's $350 million. He doesn't care if he's going over 20. He can bounce back from that. He's a player. They can't dump him anywhere. But Luis Rojas can get fired. He can and he might actually get fired. They already fired their hitting coaches on Monday. They did. But now, Luis Rojas, he did a really poor job as manager last year. He's doing a horrendous job this season as manager. Steve Collins, he had to make a statement. Whether it's this offseason, whether it's sometime in the summer if the Mets are struggling, they've got to fire Luis Rojas. I don't like Luis Rojas as the manager of the New York Mets. I do not. I think New York Mets could get a better manager somewhere down the line. LVP this week is Luis Rojas. His team is struggling. He just fired his two hitting coaches to make sure he doesn't get fired. It's a tactic most coaches use. They fire their assistant coaches so they can get at least one more season with the team then get a new scheme, stuff like that, and then they usually the team is terrible the next season again, and the coach gets fired. So Luis Rojas, he is LVP this week by far. He is. But MVP, my New York Knicks, both my favorite teams, the Mets and the Knicks, both in terribly different situations right now. If you told me before the season the Knicks would be in the fourth seed and the Mets would be with Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, that lineup, they would be one of the worst teams record-wise in MLB, I wouldn't believe you. But that's about for MVP, LVP this week. Leave your MVP in the comment section. Leave your LVP in the comment section. Now, let's grade the first 10 picks of the NFL draft. Let's grade the first 10 and then the bonus. At the end, the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars were on the clock. They were thinking, who do we take? No, they weren't. They had this set ever since, like, December or whenever they clutched the number one overall pick. They knew they were taking Trevor Lawrence. They knew. The best quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning, the best prospect in this draft class, I give that pick an A+. The best possible pick they could have taken. The best possible. A+. Number two, the New York Jets were on the clock. They took Zach Wilson. Okay. It's a good player. It's a good player. It was probably the best quarterback available, so I give them an A. I don't give them an A+, because I don't think he'll be the best quarterback in this draft class. Now, say if he fell all the way to number four with the Falcons and the Falcons took him, that would be an A+, because it's great value, a great spot. Slipped two picks. That's why Justin Fields might be an A+, because he slipped, and then they got him. He's not the best quarterback in this draft class, Justin Fields, but if Zach Wilson fell that, and they, yeah, I'd probably give him an A+, but because he's not the best quarterback in this draft class, I'm going to give the pick an A. Gonna give the pick an A. Best player available, best quarterback available. The New York Jets get an A for me. The San Francisco 49ers were on the clock. They take Matt Jones, they take Trey Lance, like I predicted. They took Trey Lance. They didn't take Matt Jones. If they took Matt Jones, I would probably give them like an A minus, a B, something like that. Because I'm very high on Mac Jones. Some people aren't, but I'm very, very high on Mac Jones. I am. But they took Trey Lance. The best quarterback available. I do like Trey Lance a bit more than Mac Jones. So it was a great pick. Not an A+, plus, but an A. The San Francisco 49ers get an A for taking Trey Lance. Pick number four. The Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. They should have taken Mac Jones. They should have traded down and taken Mac Jones. They really should trade down and take Mac Jones, but they didn't. They took Kyle Pitts. And 
Don't get mad. Don't trip off this episode. I'm going to give the Atlanta Falcons for picking up a C. Great player. Terrible. Horrendous fit. Okay. They needed a quarterback desperately. Desperately. You're saying they have Matt Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan's good and all, but you need another quarterback. Mac Jones, sit him under Matt Ryan for a year or two. Out the gate, pro bowler. They signed for a year or two under Matt Ryan. First season starting, he would have been a pro bowler. He would have. They didn't take him, though. They didn't trade down and take him. They took Kyle Pitts. They're trying to win now, which they're not going to because it's a rebuilding year. They're going to trade Julio Jones. Boy, this was not a good pick in my eyes. It really wasn't. I was upset when they took Kyle Pitts. I was. I'm going to give this pick a C. It would be lower, but Kyle Pitts, such a generational talent. I'm not hating on the player. I'm hating on the pick. Kyle Pitts went number four overall to the Atlanta Falcons. He's worth number four overall pick, but the Falcons shouldn't have taken him. Number four, it's a terrible fit. At number four for the Falcons, but they did take Kyle Pitts. At number four, I give it a C, but let's move on to more picks. Number five, the Cincinnati Bengals were on the clock, and they took Jamar Chase. I'm going to give it an A-, minus. not hating on the player, hating on the pick again. Because they needed offensive line. They saw Penny Sewell, but they, they passed on him. Which was a terrible move in my eyes. A terrible move. Why do you pass on a generational offensive line prospect and you take a risk on a wide receiver who's only started 15 games? Let me say that again. Who's only played in like 15 games in his college career. 15. Why do you do that? Because it's the Bengals. And they wanted Joe Burrow to get some help. But if Joe Burrow wanted an LSU receiver, then you take Penny Sewell there and you have a very high second round pick. You take Terrace Marshall there. Terrace Marshall was still on the board by the time the Bengals had their second-round pick, but they didn't want to take him. He went to LSU. He was Joe Burrow's old teammate. Balled out there. But, you know, they said, nah, let's take Jamar Chase instead. Terrible move in my eyes. But, you know, if they do, if they took Jackson Carmen in the second round, if he can be a good offensive lineman and then he can get the ball to Jamar Chase, then this is a great pick. So, for now, I'm giving you an A-. It's not an A+. If they took Penny Sewell, this would be an A+. It would be. If they had an offensive line and they took Jamar Chase, this would be an A+, but they don't. So, I'm giving it an A-. But, let's move on. The Miami Dolphins took Jalen Waddle, and I'm going to give this an A. Penny Sewell was still on the board, and they need offensive line. They've got Will Fuller, okay? People are saying, oh, Devontae Parker's their only weapon. People forget. They got Will Fuller in free agency, everybody. Will Fuller was a great player. Jalen Waddle, very similar play style to Will Fuller. It might work out. It might not. Jalen Waddle might be the next bust. He might be the next Tyreek Hill. It just depends. If Tua can get him the ball, if Tua can have a good second year and they don't have to bench him for like Jacoby Brissett, then this is a great pick. So that's why I'm giving it an A for right now. Let's move on to number seven where the Detroit Lions were on the clock and they took Penisul, which is an outstanding pick. Outstanding pick. You know, you lost Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones in free agency, but you got a new quarterback, Jared Goff. Mac Jones still available, but they're not going to take Mac Jones. Say if Trey Lance is still available, and Justin Fields is still available here. Say if Trey Lance was still available, then you take him. But no, he wasn't. So they took a generational offensive line prospect who they didn't think would be here at seven. They took him. They took Penny Sewell, who is going to ball out on the line. Some people are saying he's going to be the next Joe Thomas, being a great offensive line, make the Pro Bowl every year, but be stuck on a terrible team. That could happen. This is a great pick for the Lions, taking Penny Sewell. I'm going to give this an A+, plus, the second A-plus of my grades. Great pick. It was an amazing pick. Leave in the comment section if you think it's an A-plus. If you think, I think it might actually be the second best pick of the draft behind Trevor Lawrence going number one to the Jags. It's a hot take. I think it actually might be. 
number eight overall. The Carolina Panthers were on the clock, and they did feel a need. They did take J.C. Horn, but it wasn't an immediate need. What was an immediate need? Offensive line. You know who's still on the board? Rashawn Slater. Offensive lineman. Northwestern. A great prospect, Rashawn Slater. A great prospect. They said, no, no, let's not help our new quarterback, Sam Darnold. Let's make it like how it was in New York for him with the Jets where he gets crushed every play because they have no offensive line. Let's make it like that for him again. Let's not do that. Let's not get him some help. Let's take a cornerback, which we don't fully need, which we could fill down the line, but it's not an immediate need. And then they didn't even take the best cornerback available. I'm sorry, Joe Horn. I'm sorry, J.C. Horn. You are not the best corner in this draft. This was a bad pick. I'm giving it the worst grade. I'm giving it a D. Not a good pick. Not a good pick. What were the Panthers thinking? What were the Panthers thinking? I do not like this pick in any possible way. Any possible way. But let's move to number nine, where another cornerback went off the board. The Denver Broncos had the pick. They take Justin Fields, no. They take Mac Jones, no. They took the best player available, and Patrick Sertan. So, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. They could have taken a quarterback, like I just said, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones, but they didn't. They took Pat Sertan. Going to be a good player, but you have all this talent. You need a quarterback, though. If you have all this talent, you need a quarterback. And Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, they just traded for borderline starters. Borderline starters at best. They need a quarterback to make the playoffs. If they got Justin Fields, if they get Aaron Rodgers, which we'll talk about down the way in this episode, if they get one of those guys, then they would be a playoff team. If they get Aaron Rodgers, this team could be Super Bowl contenders. Super Bowl contenders, let me say that again. Yes, they would be if they got Aaron Rodgers. They would. But I'm going to give them an MS. Patrick Sertan, the second. Went number nine overall to Denver Broncos. Nearing that, number 10 overall, the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys were on the clock, and they traded that pick to the Eagles so the Eagles could jump their division rivals the Giants. Giants wanted Devontae Smith desperately, desperately. But, you know, the Eagles had other plans. They needed a wide receiver. Howie Roseman always screws up. Drafting wide receivers, he took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. He took John Rager over Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, and Chase Claypool. Harry Roseman, the Eagles, not the best at drafting wide receivers. But here they took the best wide receiver available in Devontae Smith. What a great pick this was. What a great pick this was. Taking Devontae Smith. Jumping the Giants. I hate to say it as a Giants fan. I was so upset when they took Devontae Smith. I was. But they took him. I'm going to give it an A+. Plus, third A-plus of my grades. Great pick. Great value at that selection. It was. Great selection by the Philadelphia Eagles taking Devontae Smith. And number 10. I said it was 1 through 10, but let's make one bonus pick an exception. The number 11 pick, my New York Giants were on the clock, and they traded the Chicago Bears. They got a first-round pick, pick number 20, and then they got their first-round pick next year. So I'm hoping with all my heart that the Bears are terrible next year so the Giants can get one very high first-round pick because I actually do think the Giants will make the playoffs next year. So that pick won't be very high, their first overall pick next year, the original one, but then they get the Bears one. But the Bears saw Justin Fields still on the board. Great GMing by Ryan Pace. Great GMing. Training up to take Justin Fields, quarterback Ohio State. Some people think he's better than Trevor Lawrence. Okay, did those people I say you are out of your mind? Outrageous statement, but he's a good player. You can make an argument for the second best quarterback in this draft class. I have him at number four. I have Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, Trey Lance three, Justin Fields four, Mac Jones five. But yeah, they took Justin Fields at pick 11. I give in, hey. He's going to be good. In the National Football League. He's going to play good football. He is great trade-up by the Bears. Great trade-up. Great pick. 
That's about it for my NFL draft grades. Leave your NFL draft grades in the comment section. Around the bases, and every time we do around the bases, I always say the return of around the bases, and I was about to say it again, but around the bases, we're back. Around the bases, MLB season in full swing, like I mentioned at the start of the episode, so let's hop into it. First thing I want to discuss, hey, what in the world happened to Juan Soto? He has 50 at-bats this season, only has two home runs. I think he's batting 300. I think I actually saw he's on the 10-day DL, but you have 50 at-bats, and you only have two home runs, and you're supposed to be the face of the MLB. Fernando Tatis Jr. Come on. Okay, Juan Soto needs to pick some things up. He does. Really hasn't been talked about at all this season. When coming into the season, some people picked him for MVP. Some people say he's going to be the next $300 million man. He's going to get a $300 million extension from the Nationals, which probably still will happen. But not after the great start, Juan Soto. Maybe when he comes back from injury, he can be great again. Juan Soto. But so far, the start of the season, nowhere's near where he was last year. Nowhere near he was the year before that when he won the series. Nowhere near there, but Juan Soto. What's going on with him? Hopefully, when he gets back from injury, he can have a great season again, but let's move over to his division rival, the New York Mets, Francisco Lindor. Okay. You know how some people said coming into the season, Fernando uh, Francisco Lindor maybe is the best show in baseball? He is the worst show in baseball for Francisco Lindor. He's old for his last 20. You get paid $350 million to have a 165 batting average? Wow. You get paid that much to have one home run through this amount of games? You get paid that much to have this amount of RBIs? What a terrible season Francisco Lindor's having so far. He's great on the defensive side of the ball, but nobody cares about that. I don't care if he can turn a double play. Any shortstop can do that. Ahmed Rosario could do that. Ahmed Rosario, who they traded for Francisco Lindor, is having a way better season so far than Francisco Lindor. What in the world is going on? Okay, everyone in my rant about Luis Rojas, but my New York Mets, Steve Cohen, get this going. Okay, you fire the hitting coaches, now fire Luis Rojas, and give a huge long talk to Francisco Lindor, because there's no possible way you could dub Francisco Lindor. No, offseason, no. Nowhere. You can't. He has a 12-year, $350 million contract. You're not going to be able to dump him. He's paid like the best shortstop of all time, but he's playing like one of the worst shortstops of all time. What's going on, Francisco Lindor? What is going on? He's the worst show in baseball right now, and it hurts me so much to say that as a Mets fan. It does. Hopefully he can pick things up, but it's probably doubtful. I hope he can. Francisco Lindor off to a terrible start this year. Off to a terrible start. Let's run to another shortstop, Fernando Tatis. And Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is not a shortstop, but Fernando Tatis is. Fernando Tatis and Shohei Otani are the best show in baseball right now. They are the face of the MLB. Shohei Otani might win AL MVP, and Fernando Tatis might win NL MVP. They're both playing amazing this season. Both the best players to watch in baseball right now. My favorite players to watch in baseball right now. You see Shohei Otani throw 100-mile-per-hour pitch fastball in an inning, and then he gets up in the inning and hits a 100-mile-per-hour home run. That's insane. When it's all said and done, Shohei Otani might be a Hall of Famer. He might be. And I'm actually going to throw a hot take out there. I have never, ever seen something like this. Because never, ever seen a hitter this talented. It seems like every time he gets up to bat, he's getting hit a home run. I have never, ever seen this before. He is one of the greatest. When it's all said and done, he will be one of the greatest talents in baseball history. I'm throwing a lot of hot takes out this episode. But, yeah. When it's all said and done, Shohei Otani's career. If he stays healthy. Through his whole career, no major injuries. 
He will go down as one of the best, one of the most talented players of all time. That's not a disrespect to all the baseball legends. It's not. But I'm just saying, I think that's my opinion on Shohei Otani. It is. I think he can be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. Fernando Tatis, the best show in baseball right now. The face of them will be he and Shohei Otani. That's about for Around the Bases this week. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. Now, my GM hat. This week's my GM hat is we haven't done. I'm gonna put on my GM hat. We haven't done my GM hat in a while, and you know maybe you thought I was. I forgot about Aaron Rodgers and his whole fiasco going on. We're on draft day. It leaked that he was once out of Green Bay. So I'm gonna put on my GM hat and I'm gonna list maybe a couple possible trade scenarios. Some a couple of teams who I think should go after Aaron Rodgers. If I'm San Francisco, I'm not hopping off the phone. Okay. You're saying they have Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They just took a quarterback with a third overall pick. Okay. They took a quarterback with third overall pick. But there was rumors the night before they were trying to trade that third overall pick to the Packers with Jimmy Garoppolo for Aaron Rodgers. And they didn't want to trade him at that time. But now they might be open to trading him again. They might be. They're going to have to trade him, okay? It would be an amazing fit him in San Francisco. It would be amazing. You give up a couple first-round picks, maybe Trey Lance. You give up Trey Lance a couple first-round picks. Maybe another player, Brandon Nayuk, somebody like that. You get Aaron Rodgers, and you're a Super Bowl contender. Actually, no. You'll win the Super Bowl if you get that. You're going to beat Tampa Bay in the playoff game if you get Aaron Rodgers. You will. You have that offense of Aaron Rodgers, whoever's that running back, that wide receiver in court, George Kittle at tight end, and that outstanding defense. Bosa coming back. You're winning the Super Bowl. If I'm San Francisco, I'm not hopping off the phone. If I'm Washington, I'm going to at least try to get him. There's not as many pieces Washington can give up as the 49ers can give up. Maybe they could give up, like, a couple first-round picks, Antonio Gibson, a couple other players, but that probably won't do the trick. And I doubt Aaron Rodgers wants to play for the Washington football team. Denver Broncos, if they get Aaron Rodgers, the Broncos, there's a pretty good chance they win that division over the Kansas State Chiefs. I'm going to say that. With that wide receiving core of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamlin, bunch of guys, Deshaun Hamilton, that team is a good team. That team is a 12-5 and team if they get Aaron Rodgers. It is. Still need a couple things to hash out. But if I'm GM of the Denver Broncos, George Payton, or John Wellboy, president, of the Broncos now, John Roy. I'm not hopping off the phone with the Packers. I want to get Aaron Rodgers on my team. That is my top priority, and I'm willing to give up whatever it takes to get Aaron Rodgers on my team. That's what my proposal would be if I was the Denver Broncos. My New York Giants, same thing. Same exact thing. Okay, my New York Giants, I'm fine with Daniel Jones. I'm, I'm good with having him at quarterback. I am. But would I be happier with all-pro, three-time MVP, Super Bowl champion, Aaron Rodgers over unproven Daniel Jones, which, oh, potential. I like Daniel Jones. I would probably give up maybe Saquon Berkeley, Daniel Jones, a couple first-round picks, maybe even Darius Slayton for Aaron Rodgers. And there's a chance that the Packers would maybe want more, maybe accept that trade. If I'm the Giants, that's what I'm doing. If I'm all these teams, that's what I'm doing. My GM hat, all these teams, listen up. I'm putting on my GM hat, and these are the things you need to do. To get Aaron Rodgers on your team, you do not get off the phone until Aaron Rodgers is a member of your organization. You're not. Because they're going to trade him, no doubt. They are going to trade Aaron Rodgers, everybody. They are. This would be amazing. Amazing if Aaron Rodgers got traded. I would love to watch Aaron Rodgers on another team. I would. It would be 
amazing to watch him on my New York Giants. It would be the best show in football if he got on the San Francisco 49ers, the Denver Broncos. Probably not Washington. I don't want him on Oakland. I don't think Oakland has the pieces to even get him. I don't. But that's about for my GM hat this week. Leave in the comment section where you think Aaron Rodgers will end up. Do you think he'll stay in Green Bay? Do you think he'll maybe get sent over to Denver, Oakland, San Francisco? The Rams don't have any pieces to trade for him. I mean, they already trade all their first-round picks for Matthew Stafford. Chargers obviously don't want Aaron Rodgers. They have Justin Herbert. They're not going to trade him. They're not going to ruin their whole plan because Justin Herbert can win them Super Bowl. But where do you think Aaron Rodgers will end up? Leave that in the comment section. That's about for my GM hat this week. Now, new thing. Damian Lillard spotlight. There was an article this week that said Damian Lillard might want to have Portland. You know, all these years where they haven't made the playoffs, so they've been a struggling team where he's been a superstar player, and everyone always asks him, do you want out Portland? He always says no, and he's never been asked for a trade out of Portland. He's never expressed interest of wanting out of Portland. But this offseason, I think he will. wonder why? Because the Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard is 31 years old. Not that old, but, you know, he's only got six, seven, eight years left in him. He wants to win a championship, and if you want to win a championship, you demand, you don't ask, you demand a trade to the New York Knicks, my New York Knicks. This would be outstanding if it happened. Portland Trailblazers, you've done enough for them, okay? You've taken them to conference finals with just you. You've taken C.J. McCallman, Yusuf Nurkic, a bunch of those guys to the playoffs. Every single year, you carry that team. But now, you want some help. You want to make... Make a run at a championship. Make a run at a rink. And you demand trade to the New York Knicks. If I'm the New York Knicks and this happens, I want to give up. Obi Toppin. Okay, first round pick. Has a lot of potential, but not sure. Showing flashes this year, rookie year, but not great. And I give up Emmanuel Kulicki. Both of our picks this year, giving up basically the whole draft. Obi Toppin, you know, quickly from the 2020 draft. You know, quickly, great player, great player, but... They play the same position. Would you rather have the guy with amazing potential? But Tom Thibodeau doesn't think he can be a solid point guard in the league. All Amelia quickly is great at is shooting. I don't think he can ever develop into a great passer. Probably not into a great finisher. Stuff like that. He's a great floater. But I'd rather have Damon Lillard over Emmanuel quickly. And I would trade Obi Toppin. Okay, Obi Toppin needs to get off the Knicks. I would trade Obi Toppin this summer for a superstar in a heartbeat. I would animate no quickly. And then I'd probably mix in three first-round picks or four first-round picks in the mix. Because the Knicks have a bunch of picks that aren't theirs. They've got a bunch of Dallas picks. They've got a bunch of other picks. So the Knicks aren't basically losing much because then they still have another first-round pick that year. This would be an amazing trade, an amazing trade. I would be so happy, so happy if this happened as a New York Knicks fan. If there was a big three of Damian Lillard, R.J. Barrett, and Julius Randle, it would be the best show in basketball. Better than the Lakers show. Better than Brooklyn show what's going on there when none of them play at the same time. This would be one of the best big threes in the NBA. RJ Barrett's going to average 22 points a game next year. Julius Randle's going to have a great season like he, this next season, like he is this season. Damian Lillard on the New York Knicks. I think Damian Lillard will be a New York Knick next season. I do. My prediction is Damian Lillard ends up being a New York Knick next year. I think he demands a trade to the Knicks. I, Damian Lillard, if you're listening to me, this podcast episode, you demand a trade to the New York Knicks. You do. That's about for Damian Lillard Spotlight this week. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. Now, at the buzzer. This week's at the buzzer is 
why Mike Mayock, GM of the Las Vegas Raiders, is no longer attempting to be a good GM. He's the worst drafting GM I've seen in my lifetime. That is a fact. Mike Mayock, ever since he has become the Las Vegas Raiders GM, he has done a horrendous job of drafting. Let's go through it. His first year as GM of the Raiders, he had the number four overall pick, number 22 overall pick, and the number 25 overall pick. Who did he take at number four? He took Cleveland Farrell, where many people said he could have had him at pick number 25. That's a 21-pick reach, Mike. That's a 21-pick reach. You know who's still on the board? Devin White. And that might not even be his worst pick of his tenure as the Las Vegas Raiders GM. It might not be. Okay. Then, his second first-round pick that year, pick number 22, he took Josh Jacobs. Okay, that's a good pick. That's his best pick in his tenure as the GM of the Las Vegas Raiders. But then, he had a pick like five, three picks later. I think it was pick 25. And he took Jonathan Abram, which is a very big reach. He's always hurt. He's always hurt. He has good talent. He has good potential, but he's always hurt. And DK Metcalf was still available. Okay, but let's give Mike a pass. That was his first year as a, being a GM in his lifetime. First year ever being in a front office. 2019, his first year. Really bad draft when you're looking at it now. But 2020, you know, his second year as GM of the Raiders. You know, he's got a good feel for the prospects. Now he's got all this. Remember, Mike was a draft scout for NFL Network for years. He did the NFL draft. Cast all that stuff, and they got hired to be the Raiders GM, and he went ballistic with all these picks. Okay, his first pick in 2020, number 12 overall pick. He took Henry Ruggs. You know who's still on the board at pick 12? Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, and Tristan Wirfs. Wow. All those players are better than them. That's not even, that's not even that. I could go on for days how many better players he could pick. I'm not saying Henry Ruggs is going to be a bad player, but I'm saying these guys are going to be better than Henry Ruggs. They have shown that they're already better than Henry Ruggs. I'm sorry, Henry Ruggs. That's true. I really hope Henry Ruggs can develop. I really do think there's a chance he could be the next Tyreek Hill, but I do think there's a chance he could be a bust. I do. Henry Ruggs, a decent rookie year, but he was a rookie. Still a bad pick. I'm not hating on the player. I'm hating on the pick. Justin Jefferson, still available. All these wide receivers and these players, offensive linemen, were still available. So, a bad pick. But he had another first-round pick that year. Pick 19. Okay. Another first-round pick. High first-round pick. Who does he take? Damon Arnett. You know where Damon Arnett was projected to go on every mock draft? On day two. He was a certified day two pick. Some people even had him day three, fourth round. Nobody really had him in the second round. Most people had him in the third. Nobody. I'm not Not soul had Damon Arnett going in the first round. Not a soul had Damon Arnett going in the first round. Nobody. And even if anybody thought about Damon Arnett going in the first round, nobody thought he would go this high. Nobody. Okay. Damon Arnett had a horrendous rookie year. A horrendous rookie year. A really bad rookie year. Maybe the worst rookie in the NFL this year besides Isaiah Wilson. I don't even want to get into that. Really bad rookie year. Damon Arnett, a terrible pick. But now, he's in his third year's GM, Mike Mayock. He has one first round pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Now he's got a really, really good feel as being a GM, third year as the GM for the Las Vegas Raiders. Who's he take? He's pick 17. Who's he take? Alex Leatherwood. That is probably the worst pick of the first round. I actually like Alex Leatherwood as a player. I'm higher on him than most people are. But there were better players available. There were a lot better players available. And I uh, didn't have Alex Leatherwood as a first round pick, but I had him as a very early day two pick. People had him going day one. They usually had him go in picks 26 through 32. 
25-32. Nobody in their right mind had Alex Leatherwood go and pick 17 to the Raiders. This is a humongous reach by Mike Mayock. This is a terrible pick. Bad GMing. Ryan Pace, who everyone always criticizes for being a terrible GM. He had good GMing this draft. He traded up for Justin Fields. He took a risk. He's giving up his first-round pick next year for Justin Fields because he thinks he can make the playoffs next year. Justin Fields in that first-round pick won't mean much. Good GMing by Ryan Pace. Terrible GMing by Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock should be fired by the end of this year if they don't make the playoffs. He should be. John Gruden should be fired by the end of this year if they don't make the playoffs. Las Vegas Raiders. Terrible drafting. Mike Mayock, terrible drafting. Sorry for going on that rant there, but that's about for at the buzz this week. Leave your thoughts in the comments section. Now, question thing. Today's question of the day is, is the playing tournament a good idea or a bad idea? Do you support the playing tournament or do you not support it? LeBron James last year in the bubble said, it's a great idea because I'm the one seed and, you know, the Kings can battle out with the Grizzlies and Portland, all these teams. But now that LeBron is in the playing tournament, he says, whoever came up with that tournament, worst idea ever. Worst idea ever. Terrible idea. Come on, LeBron James. Playing tournament, you know, I said a couple weeks ago, it was a bad idea, but for other reasons. Now I'm starting to think it's a good idea. It is a very good idea, actually, the playing tournament. I like the playing tournament, more basketball for the fans. The only people complaining about the playing tournament, and there aren't many. No fans are actually complaining about the playing tournament. So leave in the comment section if you support the playing tournament or you don't. That's about for the question today this week. That's about for Squared Sports, Lane Frank, episode number 33. Thank you for tuning in. Follow Squared Sports on Instagram, at Squared Sports. Follow Squared Sports on Twitter, at Squared Sports. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and view for the best sports content in the world. We'll be back here next week, same time, for episode number 34.